Awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, the kids have now left, so if you started up a conversation, you might like to resume that one during morning tea. And uh, we'll now have our Bible readings, and then Phil's going to bring us our sermons. So, Bible readers, over to you. Good morning. The first Bible reading is from Psalm 46, verses 1 to 7. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The second reading is from Luke chapter 9 verses 1 to 17 and you can follow along on your cream handout. Luke 9. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over.
Well, good morning, 9.30. It's a great pleasure to be back with you again today. If uh, we haven't met yet, I'm Philip. Uh, my regular church is over the hill at uh, Barrel with St Jude's. Um, uh, but uh, yep, today it's great to be with you here again. And for those who are online, uh, welcome to you as well. Uh, just a warning to you guys. If you've got a Bible at home, you might want to keep it open at Psalm 46. We're going to engage with that together at the end of the sermon as part of the sermon. Uh, we've all got our sermon sheets with us here in the congregation, but those at home might want to have that with them if they want to participate with us. Friends, I had the opportunity to be able to go to Jerusalem in 2017. How many people here have been to Jerusalem? Just out of curiosity? Yes. Same with the other services, not all that many people. Uh, and from Jerusalem, being able to travel up the Jordan Valley to the Sea of Galilee uh, was a, a life-changing experience and very wonderful. Um, do you realise that this could be the year that you go to the Holy Land? 2022? You see, if Jesus, re <laughs> if Jesus returns this year in 2022, or if you depart this life, either through old age or through some tragedy, well, the Bible tells us that you will stand before Jesus Christ as King and as Judge, and you will be in his holy place. Uh, as we heard there in uh, the part of Psalm 46, the psalmist calls it the city of God. God's place and you will be there and your destiny under God's rule will be determined at that time. Well this morning we are continuing in the St Stephen's Luke series which you began last year and we're just picking up in chapter 9 at where we left off before and um, our subject today is Jesus in action. So if you were taking notes um, in the little note section on your, uh, on your uh, service sheet there, uh, you've got Jesus on mission, same thing, Jesus in action. That's what our subject is today. And the setting of our reading today is in that region in the north of Israel, up around the Sea of Galilee, and Luke's focus is on Jesus on mission. So Jesus in action, Jesus, now chapter 9 in Luke, Luke's describing it to us, Jesus is on mission. Now I've got a couple of uh, photos to show to you, uh, which I hope are going to come. Yep, there we go. So this is the Sea of Galilee, or it might be called the Sea of Tiberias as well. Uh, the first time I ever saw it, driving down this hill. And I had the amazing privilege of being able to walk along the lakeside shore, just down from Capernaum, by myself for about half an hour. And that is looking up the seashore and you can actually see, if you see little buildings just in the, in the mid-ground up there, that is Capernaum. And after Jesus finished his first bit of ministry in his hometown of Nazareth, which is up on a hill inland from the Sea of Galilee, on the west side going between the Sea of Galilee and the Mediterranean Sea, Jesus uh, started preaching 
in the synagogue in his hometown, Nazareth, and the people took offense at that, you might remember, and they said, who's this? this isn't this the carpenter's son? Uh, how, how can he say the sorts of things that he's saying? They took offense at him uh, starting to open up who he was, the son of God, and in the end, uh, you might remember in your Bible stories, uh, this is the one place they tried to grab him and put him over the, put him over the edge of a, of a cliff in Nazareth. And I actually drove through Nazareth, and it is. When you're driving into Nazareth, it's on top of a hill. I didn't actually see the cliff that they tried to throw Jesus over, but um, that's what they tried to do. Jesus relocated then from his hometown of Nazareth down to the Sea of Galilee and sort of uh, got centralised there at the, the town of Capernaum. And the, the last parts of Capernaum are still there. You see, Luke is recording for us not fairy tales or religious legends or mythology, Luke is recording for us history, an accurate eyewitness record of history and the history of Jesus Christ who turned up on the scene at that particular time. And today, as we've seen from our topic, we're looking at this Jesus in action. And friends, it raises for us a major question today. And the question that we're asked from this passage, which I want us to focus on in this sermon, is, does this Jesus have what it takes to be the leader of his people? Does Jesus have what it takes to be the leader of his people? Was Jesus back then in history equipped to establish his church while he was physically present in Palestine 2,000 and so many years ago? Is Jesus equipped to shepherd his church worldwide now in 2022? And is Jesus equipped to complete his church within history and bring it all the way right up to the close of the age? Well, in chapter 9, verses 1 to 17, Luke describes the very active picture of the cut and the thrust, the cut and thrust of Jesus' public ministry with his disciples and Jesus is described at this part before the transfiguration. So what we're reading about today is Jesus' action with his 12 disciples before he's taken them up on the mountain to see him in his spiritual state and it's also before he started talking to them directly and clearly about the fact that they were going to go from there south down to Jerusalem where he was going to be taken by wicked men and he was going to die but after his death something miraculous was going to happen, he was going to come back. Well the disciples don't know all that yet, right? they haven't seen that, that yet, they don't know so here we are up in Galilee and it's really the cut and thrust of Jesus' ministry with the ordinary people who are up there. And what are they doing? Well, they're getting around and they're preaching and uh, Jesus is doing miracles and all of those sorts of things. So the setting is Jesus' mission action in Galilee, in the north of Israel, and it's around these towns where uh, Jesus himself was very familiar with them and the people were familiar with him. So the events at this time we see that the 12 disciples have now been called out. So Jesus has got lots of disciples, but he's called 12 particularly. 
And with those 12 disciples, he's doing what I would call strong teaching, strong preaching, strong teaching. And the way he's doing that strong teaching is he's using parables to teach the people and he's also demonstrating his power with supernatural miracles. So there's preaching with parables and miracles that are going on at this time. And now, in chapter 9, he does something new. He takes the 12 and he sends them out on their own for a session of preaching the kingdom of God. It's their turn now to preach the good news, to preach the gospel. And he empowers them to do the miraculous healings, the spiritual healings that he's been able to show with great power and authority. And this great power and authority comes and rests on the disciples. Not only are they able to preach clearly, but they also are able to miraculously heal. Now, friends, we've got to watch ourselves here that we don't confuse the description of what we're reading in this account by Luke, the, the historical description. Don't confuse the description with a decree to the whole church worldwide in all times. The fact that Jesus sent the 12 out to do miraculous miracles is not a command that he sends you out to do miracles. He may, but he'll deal with you personally about that. You can't take this text of the Bible as an authority source for you to claim that you've got the same sorts of powers that Jesus gave to his 12 disciples. I just wanted to say that in passing because some people have got that astray and they've thought that this description gives them authority and they go out doing all sorts of things and make fools of themselves and make foolishness of the kingdom of God. I've seen it happen when I was in teacher's college at Bathurst. The Christian fellowship there was run by people of this sort of ilk who um, were very like spiritual and up there and uh, doing all sorts of uh, well, what they claimed were spiritual things. And I remember clearly one time that uh, one of the... Uh, we're in residential college up there. There's about 500 people in residence at, uh, in, in Bathurst um, College at that time. And one of the girls got quite sick um, and she uh, came to the leaders of the Christian group and they said, well, we heal you in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, stop taking the pills the doctor has given to you. Well, that girl ended up in Bathurst District Hospital with blood poisoning and had to rely on the medicos to be able to fix her up you know, the Christian leaders came to her bedside in Bathurst Hospital and said to her, the reason that you didn't get better is because you didn't have enough faith. Nothing about their problem of misinterpreting the scriptures. Uh, it's just a little aside, and I won't get caught up with that because that wasn't actually part of the sermon. Reset your watch, all right? But, <laughs> but for the disciples, they were given that power the Lord, uh, the Lord ordained them to go out and not only do the preaching but do the miracle working as well. And, and friends, let's not, just before we leave that one, turn your watch off again for a moment. That doesn't mean God can't and doesn't do miracles by individual people these days. Of course he does. That's in the scriptures as well. But you've got to be careful. That's another subject. Um, talk to Rob Sharp about that. I'm sure he knows all about it. Um, or, yeah, Mike, Mike will be there, he'll be able to tell you all about this as well, okay? <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the track. <clears throat> they did go out and they went out with great power and with great authority 
and um, they were told to rely only on the hospitality of the people who would take them in. And you know what happened? The Bible says, Luke says, that masses and masses of ordinary people twigged into this. Even Herod the Tetrarch heard about the rumours of what was going on and was amazed. The people locked into this and it started a movement of people who wanted to follow Jesus and follow the disciples and so they did. <clears throat> you see, these people were in need of godly leadership. I tell you, our society in 2022 is in need of godly leadership. If you look at this story in the Gospel of Mark instead of the Gospel of Luke, you'll find out that Mark adds a little bit of extra picture into this and Mark says that as they looked at the people coming and following in crowds around Jesus and the disciples, Mark describes them, they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were confused. They were looking for good leadership. Do you think people in our society today, Australia, around the world, are looking for good leadership? Do you think they're a bit disillusioned with some of the leadership we have? Do you feel a bit sorry sometimes for the leaders who try to lead our ungodly world? My goodness, it must be hard for them. You'd better be praying for our leaders and especially our Christian leaders. And these people were just the same. They were looking for good leadership, they were looking for someone who could actually tell them God's words and who could save them from their ills. And this picture in chapter 9 culminates in the feeding of the 5,000 and even young people, kids, you don't need me to go over this again, you know the feeding of the 5,000, you've read it many times, you've heard it in Sunday school or wherever. So in this text there's actually three what we might call movements or three pictures of Jesus in action. The first picture is verse 1 to 9. You can have a look at it there yourself and mark it out. It's the apostles on mission, right? That's the first nine verses. That's the first movement in the passage. The apostles go out on mission. The second movement is verse 10 and 11, which is Jesus takes them from the intensity of that, that mission. It's like what the beach mission people we just prayed about or uh, thought about uh, a moment ago. Um, no, I think, I'm sorry, I think it was the previous service. <laughs> they prayed for everyone on beach mission. Um, after that strong mission, Jesus took them to Bethsaida, which is a bit further around the Sea of Galilee from Capernaum, to a, an isolated place. It was a rest time from their spiritual work and service. And then the third picture is verse 12 to 17, where Jesus makes the miraculous provision for the people who, like magnets, uh, come and follow. And uh, here they are, and there's a miraculous provision made by Jesus in the feeding of the 5,000. So the main point in this chapter, in chapter 9, <clears throat> is that there's uh, two stories about Jesus on his mission action. The first story is about him sending out the disciples and the second story is the gathering in of the people to feed them both physically and spiritually. They're the two stories that come up today in Luke's historical account. Now I'm going to suggest to you that that is what answers our big question is Jesus, does Jesus have what it takes to be able to be the leader of his people? And from what we see when we see Jesus with his disciples empowering them, then bringing them to withdraw, but that not working because the people want to be led and they want a leader to follow. And when Jesus then ministers to the people who are looking for a leader, this account by Luke shows us that the answer is yes. Jesus does have what it takes to build his church. 
and Jesus has had what it takes and has what it takes to build his church all the way from his incarnation at the first Christmas, which we've just celebrated, and he has what it takes to take it all the way up to the close-off of this period of God's history at the end of the age, at the close of the age. He did establish his church in person while he was here. He did train up his apostles to carry on the work after his ascension because he knew that he was going to go back to heaven. Through the Holy Spirit from heaven, he is still shepherding his church worldwide across the whole planet now, not just Palestine. In the present day, in our 2022, he's still doing it, he's still building his church and he is equipped to complete the job, to complete his church in history right up to the close of the age. Well, it was a simple sermon today. There's nothing new and there's nothing particularly profound that we haven't already heard before. But I would like us to bring this together in a practical application at the end. What does this story, this history that Luke shares with us, what does this tell us for this new year of 2022? Well, if this is the year that the Lord Jesus Christ returns, or if this is the, the year when it's our time to go to him, either through age or through some tragedy that happens to us, and we find ourselves standing before Jesus as our king and as our judge, we, who are members of his church, can confidently say... I believe, and reflect the words that the Old Testament psalmist recognised about 1,000 or 1,200 years before this all happened in Galilee. And that's where we pick up Psalm 46. And it's why we've selected this passage out of Psalm 46. And friends, I'm going to close the sermon by asking you and the folk at home also to join with me today I'm going to ask you if you would like to stand and we declare from the heart the words of Psalm 46 declaring that Jesus has what it takes, that we are his church now and it's our time to bring this on under the Lord God Almighty in fulfilment of God's plan. Would you like to do that with me? Would you like to stand and we say these words together? It's sort of like a collect and a prayer. Psalm 46, 1 to 7, together if you can. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most holy dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Thank you. Please be seated. Amen. Can't say anything more than that. The Lord bless you till we see each other again.